to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Well, friends, welcome back. It's good to be back with you in the sanctuary here at North Decatur Presbyterian Church. It's been a while for some of us since we've seen each other. So how have you been? Fine, right? Fine. That's what we say. How have you been? Really? The answer for all of us is complicated. We are all living through one of the most disorienting seasons of our lives. Our lives have been changed dramatically in ways that will shape many of us for a long, long time. Several members of our church are not here today because COVID took them from us. Some of us had COVID and will be sifting through the health effects for months or years. For most of us, it wasn't the illness, but it was the social isolation required to weather the illness that changed us. I'm not ashamed to share with you that I've had a rough year. This included a bout of mild depression. Some of you have acknowledged to me that you also have had your own mental health struggles with loneliness or anger, loss of a sense of purpose. And our children, oh my goodness, they have experienced all of the things that we have experienced and more and often without the ability to name what they are feeling or know how to ask for help. And every single one of us here today has simply missed each other. We believe that we are made by God to be social beings and we have been withering for lack of each other. I haven't even mentioned yet that in this same year, we experienced another heart-rending reckoning over 400 years of racial injustice. I haven't even mentioned our awareness of accelerating wealth disparities and the way our political economy so clearly tips the scales of justice. I haven't said anything about the ongoing attack on voting, the soul of our democracy. It has, it has been a rough year. But now we have, a com- we have a place to come back to to process it. Not alone by ourselves, but together. This place is given to us to hold our collective reality. Church is the place that we may and we must speak 
about both life's beauty and its brokenness. And we offer it all together to the God who is known as love. As I was gathering with the other pastors to prepare to come back today, we asked each other, was there something that we should talk about together that would be particularly helpful in this moment? And what seemed most right to us was to take a kind of back-to-basics approach to our Christian faith. Because we've been so out of sorts, so out of our normal rhythms, we thought it might be helpful if June and July could just be given over to re-inscribing in us the basic bodily practices that shape us in the life of God through Jesus Christ. I've been thinking of this time as a time to reboot. This metaphor is meaningful to me because I have a six-year-old laptop When my computer has been running too many programs for too long, it starts to slow down. And then the spinning wheel of death appears. And I don't know about you, but I have felt exactly like that computer at times over the past year. Sometimes the best thing, sometimes the only thing is to shut the thing down and to reboot. So that's what we imagine doing together this summer. Let's reboot our lives as followers of Jesus. Let's figure out what it looks like to live in faith in this particular moment. So what are we going to do here in church? We're going to do all the little things that we've missed doing together. We're going to worship and pray and tell stories and offer hospitality and do justice and let our minds wander and move our hearts even closer toward forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves and each other. Now, maybe if you're like me, some of these practices have disappeared from your life over this past year, squeezed out by the extraordinary demands of the world in which we have lived. But let's be clear, this past year wasn't all bad. I'm sure some of you liked parts of it. I'm sure some of you liked sleeping in on Sundays. I did. I wanted to wear sweatpants today because they're surely more comfortable than the suit I have on. But maybe... Maybe at home in your loungewear, you felt something was missing. We have all had to be strong and resilient this year to make the best of a truly bad situation, but missing the rituals and practices that ground our lives in God takes a toll on all of us. So now that many of us are able to come back together Let's use this moment to reacquaint ourselves with the practices of what Jesus calls an abundant life. Now, I want to say a few things this morning about practicing our faith. First thing I want to say is that there's been a pretty remarkable change in Christianity over the last couple of decades. We used to spend a lot of time and energy as Christians talking and arguing about beliefs, Protestants especially were good at it. We thought of ourselves and we portrayed ourselves to the world 
as a doctrinal religion. God exists, we said, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God who was crucified on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and Christ's atoning death and resurrection are the gateway to personal salvation and eternal life. Believing these things, that was Christianity. But in the last couple of decades, there have been changes, not the least of which is a pretty major change in how we all understand the way our brains and our bodies work together. We know that what we do, what we do as human beings does not grow out of what we say that we believe, right? What we believe about ourselves, about the world, and about God grows instead directly out of what we do. I'll use an example. Take something fundamental, like potty training. How many of you have ever trained a child to use the bathroom? Okay, right? If you want to potty train your child, do you begin with diagrams of the digestive system? Do you talk with your kid about peristalsis and sphincter muscles so that the child truly understands what's happening down there before they can get on the pot? No! You put them on the throne and let their body lead the brain. Belief, understanding follows behavior. Training your body through practice is the best way to learn anything, whether it's riding a bike, or baking a casserole, or being a loving partner to your spouse, or learning how to pray, or how to worship, or how to do justice. All these things are learned by practicing. A couple of years ago, the writer Malcolm Gladwell popularized a study in his book Outliers that is known as the 10,000 Hours Study. It took a group of accomplished people like artists and athletes, and try to figure out what makes the difference between someone who's good at something and someone who is truly great. And the answer was 10,000 hours of practice. Now, I need you to know that the 10,000-hour rule has been debunked. It turns out there's a lot that goes into greatness. 10,000 hours itself doesn't make someone great at anything. But Gladwell did do a service by reminding us that practice is essential for everything that we want to do well. Religious people have always understood this. We've always understood that if we put our bodies in certain positions, if we say certain words again and again, day after day, it shapes who we are and often for the better. Our Muslim sisters and brothers pray five times every single day. They fast every single day of Ramadan. Our Jewish sisters and brothers keep kosher all the time. They sit shiva to grieve well and to process their deepest losses. Yoga. Everybody knows that yoga is good for you, right? It started as a prayer practice in the body. Practice. 
Practice your faith every single day and with intention. Your practice will shape your body. It will shape your mind. It will shape how you come to see the world. Practice over time shapes what you value and who and how you love. I want to invite you this summer to be intentional about the ways you choose to practice the Christian faith with your body. What, what does it look like when you praise? What does worship feel like in your body? What does prayer feel like in your body? How will you tell the stories of our faith every day in your home as a practice in ways that those stories come alive and blend with the life that you're living day in and day out? How will you show hospitality to the strangers around you? If you want ideas of what to practice, Read this same passage from Romans. Love one another. Honor one another. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. It's one long, lovely hymn about practical Christianity. The other cool thing about practices is that there is not one way to do any of these things. Christian practices have proven to be brilliantly flexible and adaptable to our circumstances. You can make them your own. I hope this idea about rebooting your Christian faith through practices is exciting for you. Be playful with it. By all means, have fun with it. But one final warning. Some of our distinctly Christian practices are weird. They are not cool. They are deeply inconvenient. And in fact, some of them are quite costly. Few people have described the costliness of practiced Christianity better than the philosopher Wendell Berry. Barry is a writer and a farmer and a poet. Like many farmers, something is only good for Barry if it produces good fruit. For decades, Barry has been doing the hard work that all of us who follow Jesus are called to do, which is ask questions like, how do I follow a crucified and resurrected Savior? Not as a theological abstraction, but as a daily practice. What a grace, mercy, peace, justice, faith, hope and love look like as my body moves through material reality. Barry's poem, Manifesto, The Mad Farmer's Liberation Front, begins by observing how easy it is for all of us to get sucked into a life of practices that neither liberates nor heals us. He begins his poem 
with sarcasm, love, the quick profit, he says, the annual raise, vacation with pay, want more of everything ready-made, be afraid to know your neighbors and to die. The world, Barry says, and specifically the market, knows that what we do shapes what we believe. So the world is always inviting us to buy and consume and devalue and discard and desire and love and praise things that aren't worthy of our love or praise. We have to resist letting the market shape our practices and deform our loves. So we resist. How? By taking up every day the weird, inconvenient, costly, distinctly Christian practices. So listen to Barry as he writes these words to you, friends. Every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance for what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. When you and I do these old, wise practices together as a church, It won't make us rich. It will not give you tight abs or lower your bad cholesterol. But Christian practices will nourish you and nourish you at the soul deep level. They will make you wonderfully weird, but we'll do them together because it's always more fun to be weird together. Yes, friends, we are back. But let's not go back to normal. Let's reboot the weird, wonderful, deeply nourishing practices of a Jesus-shaped life. Let us practice resurrection. Let the church say, Amen.